0: The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days. But that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. Our media's either incompetent or malevolent They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they heaven sent Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants
1: Boom
0: all right, all right, all right. What's crack a everybody? It's your boy Harrison Bergeron. This, of course, is the Right Opinion podcast, right here on the RightOpinion.podbean.com, salad I mean, RatSaladReview.com, in your podcatcher of choice. Just search the Right Opinion. It'll be the one that's black and white and red all over, like the New York Times used to be. It's been a while, folks. I, I got I to gotta start out with an apology. It's been a minute. It's you know obviously holiday season. Work's been crazy. Holiday shopping has been crazy. Uh, Yours truly has been spread very thin, and every time I want to sit down and do one of these episodes, something pops up, or I'm standing in a line for an hour longer than I should have been. Some some of these are excuses. Some of these are reasons. Neither here nor there. I am back, and I'm happy to have you guys tuned in to The Right Opinion, but Jesus Christ, there has been a lot that has happened since I last talked to you. I'm going to try to touch on a little bit of everything, and I'm not going to be doing a whole ton of sourcing this week because I'm just kind of flipping through my emails and trying to find some of the better stories that I want to talk to you about. Number one, and only because this is super, super fresh on my mind, is this cyber attack that occurred recently. Um, There obviously Mike Pompeo has now even come out, Secretary of State Pompeo, former CIA director Mike Pompeo, mind you, or at least a super high up in the CIA. No, I think he was the director, neither here nor there. He, um, he came out and said that it's very, very likely that Russia was the country that uh, that was, I guess, perpetuating these attacks. And for that matter, these attacks had been going on for quite a while and apparently were undetected or at the very least undisclosed to the general public. So there seems to be a lot of people out there kicking and screaming about this guy, Chris Krebs, that Trump fired because he had the audacity and, uh, and really just the, the silliness to say that this election was the most secure election in, in history. Um, so he was fired for saying stupid things, which is exactly what you know, happens when you're in a government position, a high up position. You go out of your way to say something stupid, uh, especially when it's a, a, in opposition to your boss. You typically don't keep your job for very long. And by, by the way, he was still working there when this hack had originally started. So it's not as if he was doing a whole hell of a lot to help. Maybe if he was being less of a, you know, political hack or a shill for the deep state and actually worried about cybersecurity, none of this might have happened. But there's a couple of things that I want to hit on about this hack. It's really not so much fact as much as it is just a a cause for you to be skeptical of some of the things you're hearing. One of the hacker groups that was identified as being part of this is a group called Cozy Bear. Now, they are in some way, shape, or form affiliated with or have worked in the past with a group called Fancy Bear. Um, Now, Fancy Bear was tied to the supposed hack of the DNC that yours truly and most of the evidence suggests never actually happened. I'm not saying it was Seth Rich. I'm just saying that that's more likely than the fact that this was a transoceanic hack from Russia um, that took place on the DNC emails, or that it was simply, you know, just something as, well, Podesta's emails were something as stupid as the phishing attempt, but the actual hack of the DNC emails itself, I don't believe was actually really ever a hack. I think it was an inside job, one way or another. Um. So so just something to keep in mind, and, and I've talked about this in the past, there's an article from The Nation that talks about basically the scientific impossibility that this was done from Russia. So maybe Russian assets were here in the U.S. or even within the DNC capable of, of, you know, yanking those files and those emails, that's a possibility. And uh, and for that matter, uh, and we'll talk about a little bit later on, maybe it was a different government entirely, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, China, Uh, because apparently they have like two million members of the CCP that have infiltrated governments and large organizations all around the world. That list apparently recently leaked to Sky News in Australia, although I don't know that the list has actually been released yet, but rest assured, we will be talking about that if and when that information comes out. Another thing to keep in mind with this Russian hack, uh, actually, this is still part of the first one, so Cozy Bear, Fancy Bear, these are organizations that have ties to radical militant groups, both in Russia and in other former Soviet states like the Ukraine in particular, that have links to places like the Atlantic Council. Um, that that, frankly, the the organizations, um, the Fancy Bear in particular, were tied to, are organizations that that feature people that might have ties to people like Alexandra Chalupa, who was key in trying to get Paul Manafort busted for. You know, stuff that ultimately was fake, but he got busted for stuff that was real. But the only reason he was being investigated was because of a black ledger he put together with some guy that was working in the Ukraine in the supposed anti-corruption unit over there. It's all a big cesspool, swampy, disgusting muddling of things. But worth keeping in mind is that, like I said before, Fancy Bear was tied to the Russian hack of the DNC emails that, again, I don't actually believe happened in the way that they're claiming it happened. So maybe, just maybe, worth thinking about at least, worth considering, is that these groups are just like nonsense groups that are being named um, for whatever reason that they, they might not even exist or they do exist and because they exist, they're just being kind of used as name drops to add legitimacy to some of these claims in the same way that a lot of the stuff in the Steele dossier was fake information attributed to real people to provide legitimacy to it. People as high up, frankly, as Christopher Steele, who had information definitely fed to him by Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS. Getting off on a tangent, let's get to that second point. Our CIA, according to WikiLeaks leak uh, drop, I think it was called Vault 7, our own CIA has the capability to hack virtually anyone anywhere as you'd imagine they would. They're the premier, you know, espionage organization in the world, arguably, you know, one or 1A if you want to include Mossad, which obviously we include, but I don't know if they're necessarily bigger than the CIA. Um they they might have some deeper roots in certain parts of the world. It, regardless, the CIA obviously has capabilities above and beyond most intelligence agencies. Um, that have ever existed and ever will exist, at least for for a long time now. And they have the ability to not only hack things, but to then hack them and make it look like those hacks came from Russia, came from China, came from the Ukraine, came from, you know, Australia, whatever. There's certain characteristics, uh, certain methodologies that are used by certain hackers around the world. The CIA has, has been able to kind of code them and then reuse that code In order to hack other things. So if they want to hack Russia and make it look like it's China, they have the capability to do that. If they want to hack themselves, or for that matter, hack large, you know, a a swath of governments all at once, they could do that, make it look like it's Russia. And yes, they would obviously, in that case, target themselves as well. Because if every other country, every other major Western country was targeted and not the United States... That would probably raise some suspicion amongst the other countries as to whether or not the United States either knew about it or perpetuated it, or per- perpetrated it, I guess would, would be the word. Uh, but, but, you know, just things to keep in mind when you're hearing about hacks in Russia and blah, blah, blah. Look, it could have totally been Russia. It, it, it's entirely possible. Russia tries to do things like this all the time. I fail to recognize Russia as a severe threat outside of their nuclear arsenal, and even in a, in a situation where other than maybe Putin getting our nuclear codes, I, I don't even know that even if they got whatever information they were looking for, they, they really have the resources to do anything about it at the end of the day. Russia is this massive country that's mostly impoverished. It has the GDP of, you know, like Illinois. Um, you know, it, it's not really something that that is this massive threat outside of its nuclear arsenal and its willingness to basically just be international scumbags and uh and not really care what other countries have to say that said and i'm not defending putin i'm not defending russia everything i just said is 100 percent true they're an awful nasty vicious country and and will try to be at the at the very least if it had the capability to really follow through on it that said um i think russia gets a bad rap I know that sounds really ridiculous after what's saying after just saying I'm not defending Putin and I'm really not defending Putin so much as I recognize the type of man that Putin is and I recognize what's going on in the world. This whole push for globalism, uh, the notion of a of a one world government, or even just more interconnectivity connectiv- in terms of governments around the world. So like something like the EU, there's still a, a French president, but there's an EU that. You know, France is part of the EU, so if the EU dictates something, it's going to be another layer of bureaucracy. And for that matter, the, most of the people in the—I don't believe anyone in the EU is elected; it's they're appointed. Um, so it's just another layer that further separates the will of the people from the actual actions being done on the either national government level or, in this case, like the EU, a regional government level. And obviously, NATO exists—a a large group of nations solely unified for the purpose of keeping Russia in check. But if, you know, they want to spread this globalist idea, there's a few nations around the world that are really never going to buy into it. And Russia is one of them. Putin is not going to concede power to the EU. He's not going to concede power really to the UN. And he doesn't. He like goes against things that they dictate against them all the time. There's a bajillion sanctions against Russia and Russian oligarchs and Putin and his, you know, confidants and all this stuff, it's just, it's a big clusterfuck of corruption over there, but they just do it out in the open. They're the MSNBC of of countries in that, they, yeah, they're screwed up and they're crooked and they're biased, but they're just, they're, they're not really making any attempt to hide it. For that, I don't like it. I don't like what they do or what they stand for, but I can respect it to a certain degree. And that's why If there was ever any sort of friendship between somebody like a Trump and somebody like a Putin, and for that matter, somebody like a Kim Jong-un. It's that these, uh, uh, the United States under Trump, Russia under Putin, and North Korea under Kim Jong-un are nations that are never going to concede power to large global or regional organizations. They're just not going to do it they believe their nations are what they are because they are who they are and they don't want that to get watered down by some global government that comes in and tries to impose, you know, sanctions, regulations, laws on countries from on high and uh, and really for the purposes in some cases of affecting other countries but making these nations comply with them for the sake of unity or whatever. It's a whole bunch of theatrical nonsense that's designed to again further the will of the people in any given nation from the actual actions being done from the highest government offices that make the decisions that affect us in the grandest of ways. So Putin, for all of the shit he gets, I think that's something that him and Trump are are sort of kindred spirits on. And unfortunately, it looks like Trump's going to be handing over the keys to the Republic to to the useless meat sack that is Joe Biden, um, with uh, obviously Kamala Harris coming right up behind his coattails. Get a food taster, Joe. That's what Ben Shapiro keeps saying. That cracks me up every freaking time. Get a food taster, Joe, because she is certainly going to make an attempt to get you knocked out. And for that matter, I, if I'm Joe Biden, I couldn't get this vaccine fast enough
1: <laughs> because if there is
0: even a little bit of a risk of him getting COVID and keeling over and dying between now and the inauguration and the, the shit storm that it would cause on the nation's, you know, on the national front, my God. But um, speaking of the vaccine, let's talk about it. I got to just say from a personal level, I think it's a a miracle of science that that this thing is even produced, that it is producing some of the results that that at least these companies and and the FDA and all the organizations that are looking at it are saying that they're producing. It is a miracle of science. It is something that could only be done in a country like the United States. And for that matter, only be done under the leadership of somebody like Donald Trump who was willing to cut regulations and was willing to do virtually anything he could conceivably do to try to get this vaccine out into the people as fast as possible. Previous vaccines, the fastest vaccine I believe was for measles, it took 4 years. We got this some done in like 11 months. It's amazing. It might even be less than that honestly. We're probably probably closer to 9 months. It's amazing that they've gotten anything even vaguely resembling a vaccine that works at this point. It really, truly is. That said, I'm not taking it. I know. But don't you trust your boy? I do trust my boy on a lot of things, but not like medical science, okay? At no point in time, and I'm sure I've been consistent about this, do I really want Donald Trump heavily involved in in the vaccination process, what he has done, which has been so wonderful as is not only has he not been heavily involved, but the government as a whole has not been drastically involved. Really, what he did here is two things is one lift a lot of regulation to get the government out of the way and be provide funding so that when this vaccine is ready to go, we can buy a bunch of it. These companies know in advance that they have contracts, that if they got a vaccine that gets through all the trials, that works at a certain percentage, we will buy it, we will distribute it, we being the United States government in this particular instance, and we will get it out to people as fast as humanly possible. And oh, by the way, yes, Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca, you put in a lot of work to potentially save a lot of lives, you get a lot of money for that. That's just the way that that works at the end of the day, and that's the way it should work. If there was if you know monetary motivation is, is obviously something that has worked very well over time, even when you're doing something for the worst possible reasons, you could still do a lot of good. That that very well may be the 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 perfect summation of the Donald Trump presidency, as a matter of fact. But neither here nor there at the moment. The back to this vaccine, I'm not taking it. And if they mandate that I take it, I'm really not taking it. Okay? <laughs> That's pretty much where I'm at right now. Why is that? Well, I'm 33, going to be 34 in a couple of weeks, possibly even by the next time you hear my voice. And I'm healthy, not to like brag, but I'm in pretty decent shape, I guess. I like, you know, I try to take care of myself. I, you know, I, this year, my New Year's resolution was not to drink soda. It has done wonders, folks. If you're out there and you're on the fence about it, like give up the soda and really all sugary drinks. I spent, I would say, with the very, very rare exception of uh of like a wedding or something along those lines. Over the course of this year I pretty much only drank milk, water, juice, coffee and tea. And that's it. That's like all I drank all year other than again again a few cocktails here and there for some special occasions. But even that I didn't drink drink from for the pretty much the entire year other than those occasions. Uh didn't drink any soda, anything along those lines. Again, this is not like a humble brag. I'm just letting you know like I, I do I I put forth some sort of effort to make sure that I'm in decent health. So being 33, being in decent health, not being obese, not having any sort of comorbidities or pre-existing conditions that I'm aware of, there's no reason for me to take this vaccine. And as a matter of fact, in the long line of distributions for this vaccine, I should be almost at the very, very bottom, um, maybe just above children and uh, and and maybe just below you know, people that are... Really, really worried about this because I'm obviously not. Um, So, you know, obviously, I think old people should be getting this first. Um, Frontline workers, I'm like super skeptical about saying all frontline workers should go out and get this vaccine for two reasons. One, you've gone about your business for nine months without getting it, presumably up to this point. So why would you change anything? Like you've you've gone all this time without the vaccine, without getting the virus, being in close contact with it, one would assume fairly often, why would you go and do anything different than what you're doing? And mind you, keep in mind, even if you get the vaccine, it's not like you're going to just not be wearing PPE and all that sort of stuff. You're going to have to do everything you do currently. You'll just have a foreign substance in your system that like, may or may not cause you to grow a, an extra limb. And I only say that Again, I trust the you know Trump to a certain extent, and I trust when I see you know all these um, you know studies after studies of ninety percent and this that and the other thing. There's been obviously some side effects, and there's been some cases here and there. Largely, just to just to kind of summarize here, I largely think that vaccines are a good thing. I'm skeptical of this one because it's coming out so fast, and we have no idea what it does to people three months, five months, six months, a year down the road. We have no idea. There's no way to really guess. There's no real like model to run. And by the way, I'm very skeptical of computer models after what's happened in the last year, as all of you should be as well. That said, I, I, I'm skeptical about frontline workers getting this at you know some sort of mandatory or, or near uh, unanimous level, because what happens if Something happens to the people who get this It's six months or a year, and all of our frontline workers are the ones who got them. D- that doesn't raise a concern with anybody that, A, who will take care of the frontline workers, and B, who will take care of the rest of us now that all of our frontline workers are dead. Uh, and not to suggest they'll all die, but God forbid something does happen to all these people. Are they the ones that we really want to be testing this on? I I hate to like dehumanize people, but like let's start in the prisons. Let's start in the nursing homes. Like let's start in places where if there are really negative long term effects, that it's not going to affect our entire medical system could collapse if all of a sudden every doctor, every nurse, every ambulatory driver just suddenly keels over and dies in six months from this thing. I know I'm being a little bit uh, you know hyperbolic and a little bit uh, you know just just extreme and radical with all this, but what if? nothing like this has ever been done before so is there any reason for me to assume it couldn't like you know like i call me crazy but like i said i think the older folks should get it first a because if there is all those side effects then you know we won't we you know they, these people are going to die sooner than the rest of us anyway i'm sorry grandma but it's time for you to go it's easy for me to say all my grandparents are dead that said um if you are interested at all, in my medical opinion, which again, I don't expect you to be because I'm not an expert. If you're under 60, not morbidly obese, and you don't have any sort of health, you know, underlying health problem like a diabetes or a heart condition or a respiratory deal, if all of that is true, I would think you are not a good candidate to be taking this vaccine. Because again, same as with the frontline workers, even if you get it, you're still going to have to socially distance. You're still going to have to wear a mask. You're still going to have to deal with all of the other bullshit that you've had to deal with up to this point for a while until mo- enough people get it to wear the Democratic, you know, lunatics in power in some of these states, and unfortunately, it looks like the federal government as well, until they are willing to relinquish their power. Are you super excited about the prospect of that? Because I could tell you I'm not. I don't foresee that happening anytime in the near future, so... Even Fauci and all these clowns are telling you, oh, even if you get it, I mean, it's only 90% effective. So there's a good chance that you uh, still could get it. You know, it's a 10% chance you could get it still. So you still should have to wear masks and socially. Now, you know what? Hard pass on all of that. I've avoided it for nine months. I've been an essential worker. I've been in the office since May, probably. So like while a lot of offices still aren't going back, my office has been kind of fully functional at least for the last several months I've managed to get by without it, and again, I'm young, I'm healthy, even if I get it, the likelihood of anything bad happening to me is extraordinarily low, and I'm perfectly capable of working from home and staying away from my parents, who are the only people in my life that are in any real danger should they get it. Now, I know that's not everybody, but that's me. So that's my assessment on it. I will not be getting this vaccine. And once more, if they mandate it, I really won't be getting the vaccine. I might be leading the charge on how to make counterfeit vaccination certificates because let's face it, that's going to be a market and I'm fucking all about it. Then from there, what else do I have to talk to you fine folks about? Ooh, Chinese spies. I've talked about China a little bit before and uh, let's get into it. So Fang Fang with the bang bang on Fartswell, uh, Eric Swalwell most famous for failing miserably at being a presidential candidate and passing gas on television. One of the one of my f- uh, Instagram followers asked, is that the guy that shit himself on national television? I had to correct him, no, that was Jerry Nadler who shit himself on national television. Eric merely passed gas, which just meant that the hot air came out of a slightly different orifice than usual. Uh, Thank you. And so Eric Swalwell uh, was apparently sleeping with a Chinese spy. He, I'm sure, was not the only one. And I put out a little bit of a short because one of the other things that was mentioned in in the multiple stories about Fang Fang, the uh, Chinese spy, the Chinese honeypot, if you will, she um, was also sleeping with some Midwestern mayors, which is kind of freaky because obviously the Obamas did a documentary about a... I think it was a GM factory in Moraine, Ohio, that uh, that obviously is a Midwestern town that presumably has a mayor. That factory is in some sort of agreement with the Chinese government, presumably, because they're sending all this Chinese labor over to this factory to work. And the Obamas did a Netflix documentary about it. And so I looked into it, and I was like, hmm, I wonder who the, the governor of Moraine, Ohio, was. I look it up, and sure enough... The governor of Marine, Ohio, I believe, it was a guy named Ed Rosencrantz or something along those lines. The, the details are escaping me. You could find it on my social media if you flip through uh, Instagram is probably the best spot, mostly because I don't post there as often, and it should be right at the top. And you could find me there at Right Opinion Pod. Uh, but Ed Rosencrantz, of course, as you'd imagine, with being that they, he could have been tied to Chinese spies and possibly the, the willing knowledge of the Obama administration, which was in full force at the time, and then decided to do a documentary about this factory in his town that was having all this Chinese influence in it. Yeah, Ed C- Rosencrantz died mysteriously in a car crash. And the weird thing about the car crash is that they claim that the other car was like drag racing. But they had there was two people and a kid in the car. It sounds like a family to me. You know a lot of families that go drag racing? Just I'm just throwing out how fucking weird all of that was. So that said, I did mention a little bit before about Sky News getting the leaked list of of presumably up to two million Chinese Communist Party members that have infiltrated organizations and governments around the world, including here in the United States, and we've got somebody like an Eric Swalwell, who's got ties to this woman, uh, also, there was a few others, but one of them was, weirdly enough, Tulsi Gabbard, apparently, this woman had at least, I guess, you know, shallowly penetrated Tulsi Gabbard's, uh, inner circle to a certain point, uh, penetrated, it's probably not a great use of words, being that this woman was, was trying to fuck her way into, uh, conning people but I guess she probably wasn't doing that with Tulsi but hey I don't know maybe Tulsi's into that sort of thing I can't say I wouldn't mind watching if that tape leaked but neither here nor there Uh, apparently she was working for Tulsi's campaign or worked at an event back in like 2013 but it doesn't appear she got any closer to her at that you know since then and she hasn't been a part of the campaign or anything um since that time Tulsi Gabbard made a statement about it and uh you know I, I think a lot of people like Tulsi it's very obvious to see that the Democratic Party does not like Tulsi, so any excuse that they could get to possibly tie her to something like this as a, a deflection away from the Swalwells and, the, for that matter, Dianne Feinstein's of the world. Dianne Feinstein had an actual Chinese spy working closely with her, even somebody who was driving her around uh, her district at one point or another, who was a Chinese spy and had been in place for 20 years by the time we got them out of there. So, There have been other officials, according to former acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, who, by the way, is the actual first openly gay cabinet member, Pete Buttigieg, and all of the ass clowns in the mainstream media who seem to have forgotten that. Um, He said that there have been plenty of other congressmen who have been given defensive briefings, meaning that the FBI knows that they are being spied on or or that people they're interacting with have ties to foreign intelligence agencies and they have to go to them and say eric that chinese chick that you've been fucking yeah she's a spy for the chinese government like dude who would ever give you the time of day the fact that any woman wanted to sleep with eric swalwell you would think would have been a red flag but no um being that he's probably never been touched he uh he, he obviously had to take that opportunity Uh, So, hey, good for him. Eric Swalwell getting that ass, selling us out to the Chinese Communist Party. The goddamn chi comps, And uh, yeah, so there's that. Anyway, uh, what what else we got here? Trump on martial law. That's a new thing that came out. Apparently, there was a big White House meeting. They had Mike Pence was there. Sidney Powell was there. Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, you know, the whole legal team, Trump. Obviously there as well. And I guess, you know, the story is, is that he was asking Michael Flynn about something that Flynn has been talking about openly on Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, anyone that'll have Flynn on. He's been talking about implementing martial law in the swing states and using the military to confiscate all of the voting machines. To which I say that's a half good idea, and the half that's good is the half that's obviously not martial law. I don't believe we need to fully implement martial law in these states in order to send in the military or National Guard or some semblance of some law enforcement agency to go in and seize these machines, bring them in for evaluation, and see what what's all going on here. Because there was a, a whole story that came out of Antrim County, Michigan. Now, you might remember Antrim County as the county that was obviously caught on election night as having flipped the votes from Biden to Trump. And I say obviously because all of the locals there knew Trump had won that county. And there was only about, I think, 9,000, maybe by the time it was all said and done, about 16,000 votes in that county. And people knew it was a diehard Trump county. It was going even further for Trump this time around. And when they saw that the votes were basically two to one for Biden. They couldn't believe it. They called it out. And sure enough, once it was looked into, it turns out that the votes had been flipped. How did the votes get flipped? They claim it was human error. Well, this was delved into a little bit deeper. The Trump legal team, as well as other organizations and, law- and teams of lawyers that are working on behalf of the Trump administration, or at least on behalf of the cause of the Trump administration. It's, you know, it's two different things, but I guess at the end of the day, they're all going to get lumped into one and we'll take victories in any of them. So uh, they looked at the voting machines that were used in Antrim County and where there has historically been some standard for the error rate that these machines are supposed to have at, you know, at an absolute maximum. Obviously, every machine is going to have some semblance of an error rate. Is it going to be 0.001% of all votes are going to be, you know, miscounted or or maybe not read properly and need to be adjudicated? Sure. The standard, I believe— in past elections had been something along the lines of 0.25 or something like that, 0.25%, let's call it 1%, just to exaggerate, make sure I'm covering my bases, and let you know how ridiculous this ultimately was. Because the error rate found on the voting machines in Antrim County was 68%. Not 0.68%, not 6.8%, 68%. Meaning what? Meaning that of every hundred ballots run through this machine, sixty eight of them were marked for quote adjudication, meaning that the machine recognizes that it's not quite reading it correctly, or that the person running it through recognizes that the machine wasn't reading it correctly, and it gets put into a bucket to where it will be looked at manually, meaning no oversight, meaning no paper trail, meaning no nothing. Meaning any schlub who picks up that bucket can basically say, Oh yeah. This entire bucket's for Joe Biden. Now, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying that there is a possibility, and for that matter, a capability of that happening. And if that's even a possibility, should that not be a loophole or some sort of loose end that is that is cut out of this system entirely? Look, I've been telling you guys from the beginning, I'm not necessarily afraid of fraud. There will always be fraud. I don't know that it could ever truly be done on the mass scale that we've we you know that we're talking about here but I damn sure think it's worth looking into and it's damn sure worth looking into not only for this election but for future elections to make sure that if there are mistakes that were made whether they be nefarious or innocent that they cannot be made in future elections. I don't want to hear human error when we have all of these elaborate machines and all these elaborate systems. The Dominion voting system received um, a check from the state of Georgia for 100 and I think 7 actually million dollars for to run this election and possibly future elections, but that was the contract that they were given ahead of this election. So for $107 million, you better goddamn well have a fucking voting machine that doesn't involve any possibility of human error, or at least reduces it to the point to where it's not 68%, something vaguely closer to the original number, the standard of 0.25% would be ideal. So I don't want to hear about human error. That's what we have all of this infrastructure in place for. It's why our states pay hundreds of millions of dollars to have Voting systems in place where, at a minimum, human error can be minimized to a a number that is not even remotely significant. 68% is pretty fucking significant. And that system of voting machines was used in 40 plus counties in Michigan alone, never mind, uh, you know, probably 30 plus states across the country. Again, do I think? that I have evidence, or that there is evidence, of widespread fraud to the point that this election can be overturned. I don't think that's necessarily the case. What I do have a problem with is the processes that were changed over time and then ignored willy-nilly at seemingly the whim of any radical leftist governor and or secretary of state looking at you, Pennsylvania. And there are a lot of discrepancies and a lot of irregularities and a lot of anomalies that simply should not be, and at a bare minimum, should raise an eyebrow or two. And for that matter, look, if you guys think Joe Biden won this presidency, so fair and square, this isn't Russian collusion. We're not asking him to disprove that he's, a you know, that he's, he's in you know, he's a Russian agent or whatever it is, we're not even really accusing Biden of anything so much as we're accusing, for instance, those four people that were caught at the State Farm Center in Atlanta counting ballots unsupervised. The story was, the the, the I guess the cover story was that all of the Republicans' uh, vote counters or vote watchers just decided to leave. And even if that was the case, which seems sort of silly, being that unless they were told that they were going to stop counting, which is what they're telling everybody, it would seem very weird that they would just get up and give up at a certain time unless they were told to leave. So even if, let's say hypothetically, the Republican vote watchers all got up and left, it is obliged that there be a vote counter from each side. You cannot be counting votes uh, away from any poll watchers, and for that matter, there's supposed to be a poll watcher from both major parties there. So even if they had all gone up and gone away, that still doesn't explain why these people were still counting the votes without any oversight, why they were visibly seen running votes through multiple times, why the votes that they pulled out from underneath the table had been sitting there at, at for, for about 15 hours at that point without being counted. And then, of course, the second that all the Republican vote watchers or poll watchers leave, now we got to open, we got to pull all these ballots out from underneath this table. That table was placed there by the woman that we see in the video with the blonde uh, braids, I guess they keep referring her to. It's funny when you hear blonde braids. You think like, you know, like like Pippi Longstocking, Blondie, kind of like, nope, it was very different. Nevertheless, blonde braids they were. So the woman with the blonde braids uh, had put that table there at about 8.30 in the morning. This was verified by the video surveillance footage that, that by the way, was private surveillance footage. This was not surveillance footage that, uh, was being done on behalf of the electors or or, or or because of the election? It's because the State Farm Arena has a private security company that was that oversees the arena on a regular basis anyway, and somebody figured out that that t- company probably had tape rolling that night, which is sort of questionable unto itself, right? Like, why shouldn't shouldn't that be something that should be looked at? Is 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 like, hey. Uh, While we're running this election in here, like maybe we should make sure there's no cameras running in places that they shouldn't be. I mean, there is a certain level of voter integrity that that merits not having a super close up camera on all these votes. Right. Because we need to shield people from being persecuted for voting. If you could see Mary Smith voted for Donald Trump, guess whose house is getting burned down that night? It's Mary Smith. Um, But nevertheless, they found the security footage and you could see that that table is put there at 830 in the morning. Then you see everybody leave right around the time that they said, oh, there's a water main burst and everybody's got to leave and we're going to stop counting until the morning. And then they kept counting for multiple hours, but only counting specifically those ballots that were pulled out from underneath that table that was placed there 15 hours earlier. I'm just saying that's pretty fucking suspicious. And I think it merits looking into a little bit more. That is pretty much my snatcher. I might just name this episode. That's pretty fucking suspicious. And it merits looking into because it's pretty fucking suspicious and it merits looking into anyway we're gonna come back with a little bit more election stuff and uh and whatever else i got together here i'm gonna flip through the inbox and see what i got but first let me uh let me run a commercial here for you ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this to a good
1: friend of mine you know him you love him Santa Claus. Ho, 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 and season's greetings to the Right Opinion listeners. This, of course, is Santa Claus, and I'm here to give you a little bit of a holiday treat. The first ever Right Opinion Christmas album, both a cappella and sufficiently woke, featuring some of the classics like Frosty the Vaccine. Frosty the Vaccine, it's gotta be cold as fuck. And I don't care if you're putting that in your arm, but if you do, well, good luck. And I'll be home for Christmas, because my governor won't allow me to leave. I'll be home for Christmas, because I cannot leave. And of course, who could forget that classic, Have a Very COVID Christmas? Have a very COVID Christmas, this has been the worst year. Say hello to friends you know, but make sure they're not near. And if you order now, you'll get a digital bonus track of All I Want for Christmas Is That New Vaccine. All I want for Christmas is that new vaccine, that new vaccine, that new vaccine. All I want for Christmas is that new vaccine, but I'll still keep socially distanced. And there you have it, kids. Be sure to order yourself a copy at therightopinion.podbean.com, homingmediagroup.podbean.com, ratsaladreview.com, or on your podcatcher of choice. Just search The Right Opinion. It'll be the one that's black and white and read all over, like your boy, Santa Claus. Ho, 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 What else did you think I was going to say?
0: Ah, uh, Santa. I hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas, by the way. In the all likelihood, I will not be talking to you between now and then, as you can tell. I've been a little busy recently, but nevertheless, I'm back for now. We got a couple of topics to touch on. I got a few more things to touch on on the election. So we already touched on Georgia a little bit. Uh, we talked about Michigan a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Nevada. So uh, here's a tweet from Courtney Holland, uh, who listed out all of the evidence that was recently uh, put out by by some of the Trump legal teams. And I quote: Major voter fraud in Nevada. Forty-two thousand people voted more than once. Fifteen hundred dead people voted. Nineteen thousand people voted in Nevada that didn't live in Nevada. Eight thousand people voted from non-existent addresses. 15,000 people registered to a commercial address and 4,000 people who voted that were non-citizens. How many have been prosecuted yet? Zero. So all of that fraud. I mean, Steven Crowder spent an entire episode, an entire day basically driving around Nevada to some of those addresses that were non-existent or commercial addresses, or they were mail drop boxes, which is something I've talked about in the past that was going on in Georgia and is probably still going on in Georgia. And guess where the big next election happens to be taking place? You guessed it, Georgia. Once more, all of this is suspicious as fuck, and uh, merits looking into. So, uh, you know, especially ahead of that election, because, you know, that there's a pretty important Senate on the line there. Um, we should probably know if everything was on the up and up in Georgia. By the way, polls take them for what they're worth. A majority of Georgians believe that there was at least some chicanery that occurred on uh, on election night on November 3rd in Georgia. Which brings me to some of the uh some of the other fraud that w- that was uncovered recently I'm trying to find this uh yeah all right so here we go this is from Peter Navarro who put out a uh, a big 36 page report which I do encourage you all to read I definitely tweeted it out I'm going to read some of this stuff here this gets back to my thought about not necessarily outright fraud but incompetence um and and this kind of borders on both right it's a, it's it's it, it might very well be fraud disguised as incompetence. So here we go. Uh, he writes in his report, one of the sections entitled, Dramatic Changes in Mail-in and Absentee Ballot Rejection Rates from Previous Elections. It is routine across the 50 states for mail-in ballots and absentee ballots to be rejected for any number of reasons. These reasons may include the lack of a signature or adequate signature match, A late arrival past the deadline, the lack of an external envelope that verifies voter uh, identification, uh, otherwise known as a naked ballot, or if voters provide inaccurate or incomplete information on the ballots. In the 2020 presidential race, Joe Biden received a disproportionately high percentage of mail-in and absentee ballots. Pause. Not something that was necessarily unexpected. Just throwing that out there. Let's get back into uh, Peter Navarro's report here. Perhaps not coincidentally we saw a dramatic fall in rejection rates in Pennsylvania, Nevada, and especially Georgia. For example, in Nevada, the overall rejection rates dropped from 1.6% in 2016 to 0.58% in 2020. In Pennsylvania, the 2016 rejection rate of 1% dropped to virtually nothing at 0.28%. The biggest fall in overall absentee ballot rejection rates came, however, in Georgia, Its rejection rate fell from 6.8% in 2016 to a mere 0.34% in 2020. These dramatically lower rejection rates point to a conscious effort by Democrat election officials across these key battleground states to subject mail-in and absentee ballots to a lower level of scrutiny. That this kind of government conduct and gaming of our election system may have contributed to tipping the scales in favor of Joe Biden can be illustrated in this sample calculation. In the 2020 race, Georgia election officials received 1.3 million mail-in ballots. It gives a longer number there. I'm not going through the whole thing. It's 1.3 million-ish mail-in ballots. If these ballots had been rejected at the 2016 rate of 6.8% instead of the 2020 rate of 0.34%, there would have been 81,321 ballots rejected instead of the 4,489 ballots that were actually rejected. Under the conservative assumption that 60% of these mail-in ballots and absentee ballots went to Joe Biden, this dramatically fell in the rejection rate provided Joe Biden with an additional 16,264 votes. That's more than the margin of the alleged Biden victory in Georgia. So there you have it, folks. I mean, again, I'm not saying there was definitely widespread fraud. I'm definitely saying to you that the game had been changed midstream and that there was governors that were willy-nilly following rules that helped their candidates and ignoring ones that didn't. And that, to me, is a huge fucking problem. This is actually why I thought the, the Texas lawsuit going to the Supreme Court had a little bit of merit. First and foremost, the lawsuit itself actually had in their language that gives them cause to intercede In Another state's election process. What is that cause? Well, they have an interest and for that matter may have very well suffered an injury. What is that interest and what is interest and what is that injury? The fact that the vice president is essentially, you know, the tiebreaker in the Senate should God forbid we end up at a 50-50 Senate as a result of the Georgia runoff. So while the state of Texas and the other states that joined the lawsuit might not necessarily have standing in terms of who the president is, they definitely have an interest in who the vice president is because that vice president could very well step in and and be the tie-breaking vote in a Senate vote where, let's say, all of the Texas senators went one way, all of them two, where the both Texas senators voted a certain way to reflect the will of the Texan people, one would hope, and then the vice president, who has now been... basically determined by what Texas deemed to be a potentially fraudulent election could step in and overrule or break the tie and push it the other way. So Texans and and the state of Texas do have an interest in that, as do all states, for that matter, and all 50 states should have joined in on this. Because again, if, if, if Joe Biden won this thing fair and square, then all of these audits should hold up. And many are claiming that they have, although they're not really auditing so much as they're just counting the same supposedly fraudulent ballots all over again. But... At the end of the day, I thought the Texas lawsuit had a little bit of standing and shame on the Supreme Court for not at least hearing it. Let's get back into some state-specific stuff, the state of Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin Supreme Court says coronavirus is not a reason to abandon voter ID requirement. This is from The Federalist, December 14, 2020, written by Tristan Justice. I'm going to read just the first couple paragraphs here because it does an excellent job of summarizing what happened. And I quote, The Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled Monday that residents, not county clerks, are responsible for determining whether their voter status warrants an absentee ballot submission without providing voter ID. According to Wisconsin state law, voters may circumvent the state's ID requirement if they claim to be confined based on age, disability, or infirmary. Local election officials in Dane and Milwaukee counties this spring, however, aim to expand exemptions to the voter ID law to any voter claiming confinement from the coronavirus pandemic caused prohibitive challenges to submitting their ballots with proper ID. So basically, the, uh, the government of Wisconsin had gone into these counties and tried to expand the voter ID, uh, expand the voter ID exception, basically. Um, and, and that exception is if you are confined to your household because of age, disability, or infirmary, and you don't have the ability to physically show up at a ballot Box and and vote that was expanded because of COVID nineteen by local government officials, but that really needed to have been changed by the state legislature. And ultimately, the Supreme Court, even if the state legislature had passed that law, could come in and say no, 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 no. This is not constitutional. This doesn't follow the Constitution of the United States. This doesn't follow the Constitution of the state of Wisconsin. And therefore, even though the state legislature tried to change this law. Um, They they simply cannot do that. And again, it wasn't done at the state level. It was done at the local level, which is entirely unconstitutional. And it was only conveniently done in Milwaukee and Dane County. I presume, at least Milwaukee, leaning heavily Democrat, being that they were going to actually have the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee had it not been for the
1: China virus.
0: So again, it's pretty fucking suspicious and it merits looking into. It's really really it, folks. I mean, it's, it's a lot of just picking and choosing as to which laws they were going to follow. Governors and secretaries of state impl- implementing election laws that they have no right to do. This happened in Pennsylvania, happened in Georgia, happened in Wisconsin, happened in Michigan, Nevada and Arizona. Weird. Isn't it weird that it was only in those states? By the way, another thing that was going around recently is there was an evaluation done on an overall scale of the mail-in ballots versus the, some of the Dominion machines and some of the other machines. It was found that in places where the Dominion voting systems were put in place... Joe Biden received a 5.6 higher percentage of the votes in those places than in the average of all of the other places, basically. So he only on the Dominion voting systems was Joe Biden getting this 5.6% increase in votes. One of the analysts that looked at it said, basically, if we were to be looking for voter fraud, this is precisely what it would look like. This is also mirroring something that happened back in 2016 in the Democratic primary where I believe in particular in California, Hillary Clinton had received a higher percentage of the votes on voting systems that happened to largely be Dominion voting systems, purely coincidentally, I'm sure. And uh, whereas Joe Biden, I'm sorry, not Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, how could you forget me? Well, you're very forgettable, Bernie. I tend not to spend a lot of time thinking about communists if I can avoid it. How dare you? What do you think, you're Greta now? How dare you? Okay, that's Greta. Never mind. Bernie Sanders got screwed by the Dominion voting systems in California because it was found that he had a drastically higher vote percentage on paper ballots and in other systems. But when you looked at some of the electronic voting, Hillary Clinton got a much higher percentage in the electronic voting. So when people were physically going and filling out paper ballots and sending them in and they were verified, presumably back then in 2016, Bernie Sanders was winning. But when everything was going through the Dominion voting machines, Hillary Clinton was getting massive increases in those particular areas. So it could be said that Hillary, using Dominion, stole the primary from Bernie in 2016, and that same methodology was used in in the state of Wisconsin and other places and all these other swing states to help Joe Biden get the push past Donald Trump. And like I said before, they're not necessarily auditing these votes because they can't really. They've been separated from the verification envelope. They're now naked ballots to quote Peter Navarro's paper, uh, report from earlier, and now we're just counting the same ballots that could very well be fraudulent over and over again. Again, that the, this signature verification was something that they didn't want to scrutinize too much, apparently. Uh, the mail-in voting opened up all this fraud. I was told, you know, for four years that our election security is of the highest priority, and yet they decided to implement seemingly all of the systems that would allow for it to be not very secure at all. And these are the same folks that are against voter ID because it's like racist or something. Uh, silly me, I think black people are capable of getting voter IDs. I, and, and look, I'm not even a huge fan of the government giving shit out, but I'm pretty sure the government who just issued checks to every man, woman, and child in the United States, it, even though they only did it once, I'm pretty sure they could have just sent voter IDs with that, with all of those checks and everybody would have been good. Everybody in the United States is really required to have a valid ID anyway. You can't do anything without a valid ID. So you either need to have a driver's license, which most people have, a passport, if you do any sort of international travel, or just a state-issued ID card. Somebody, everyone you know has one of these things, and if you don't, please let me know because I'd like to know what the wacko circumstances have allowed you to go this far in life without having some sort of formal ID. I don't don't even need a voter ID card. Just give me your passport, your driver's license, or your state-issued ID, anything with a picture verification, and we good. We Gucci, okay? Just, just show up with your freaking voter ID, and you can vote. And that'll, you know what? you know what? You know what would have stopped all the Trump supporters from kicking and screaming and, and wailing about the fraudulence of this election? Things like voter fraud, things like actual signature verification, things like voting systems that don't have servers in random countries and and originate from a Canadian company and is run and founded by a bunch of people who are helping Maduro and Chavez steal elections in Venezuela. These are things that I would like to see. I don't know that we can necessarily trust a domestic company to do this sort of shit either, but at least they can be held accountable, whereas these other places cannot. The CEO of Dominion just came in and just basically lied about all of his stuff in in, in all these legislative hearings. He was asked all these hard questions about whether there's back doors or there's a capability to do this. He, he just lied about it because it's in the actual fucking owner's manual of these things that you can flip votes and that you have certain arbitra- uh, arbitration you know options and, and certain things that you can adjudicate yourself and manually drop and drag and do all this sort of stuff. That's part of the system, and then they're just pretending that that's not even a possibility all these thumb drives that have gone missing, there's like 47 thumb drives missing in Georgia that have votes on them, that's fucking suspicious and merits looking into, okay, that's just the bottom line, that's the theme this week, it's fucking suspicious and it merits looking into, and look, might it might we look into all of it and it doesn't still work out the way that we here on The Right Opinion want it to work out, it's entirely possible, and I'm willing to accept the results when that happens, but up until that happens, If you're looking for me to be like, oh, yeah, Joe Biden's definitely the president. I'm sorry. Just not not here for it. I can't be because I I'm looking at all this information and the media is completely silent on it when they're not just dismissing it altogether. And we've got government officials that might have financial ties to some of these organizations. There's all sorts of craziness that is going on here, and it seems to be ignored. And our Supreme Court doesn't seem to be interested in it. Again, fix the fix the errors. Look at the mistakes, let's take a look at the fraudulent votes, let's count them out, let's let's parse them out, and let's see how it all shakes out. Joe Biden could totally have won this election legitimately, it's entirely possible. But the fact that no one is curious about these anomalies pretty much tells you all you need to know. Nothing to see here, move By the way, get your vaccine and still wear a mask and socially distance. Sorry, can't can't bring myself to trust these fucking people. I just I just can't. And speaking of fucking people, one more thing before I close out here because I do have a nice solid close for you this week. Um, there seems to be a lot of hullabaloo on the Internet about this deputy chief of staff. Uh, I forget her name now, but she apparently called Republicans fuckers. And uh, the left, you know, the, the Twitter libs, the blue check marks, all these losers out there, they are enraged that, that Republicans are offended by being called fuckers when we backed Donald Trump for all these years. I want to be perfectly clear. I don't give a fuck what these fucking people call me. I call them fuckers and things worse all the time. I do it on air. I do it to their faces. I do it out in the open. I don't fucking care about a little bit of foul language or a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of animosity between the two political sides. Frankly, yours truly is sick of hearing about unity. I'm sick of hearing about the possibility of third parties. There is one way to heal this nation, and it is the absolute evisceration of the Democratic Party. And until that time comes, we will be in this fucking tribalist fucking cold civil war until it turns into a hot civil war. And, you know, let's go with God at that one. But, Nevertheless, this woman called us all fuckers, and I don't. I don't take offense to her calling me a fucker. Frankly, I'm kind of a fucker. As a matter of fact, literally, I I have fucked, and I will continue to fuck. I am a fucker. That said, I'm I'm offended by the fact that the party that on one side of their mouth is saying that we're going to heal this nation and we want unity. And even like people like Alyssa Milano reaching out to like Trump supporters, you know, I'll give you one last chance. Like just come on board and all will be forgiven. Fuck you. Go right ahead and fuck yourself repeatedly with a big cactus. Like just, just fuck yourself. Okay. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about unity. I want to hear about all this shit. And I especially don't want to hear from unity from a group of people that are now turning around and putting somebody in a position of power that has openly called Republicans fuckers, okay? If you want unity, you can't appoint that woman. If you want to appoint that woman, you can't call for unity. Until one of those things is rectified, you are full of shit across the board, and for that, I am offended that people ever put any of you into power in the first place. That said, let's get to the strong close here, if I will. Uh, Last but not least, I got to tell you, if this is the last ride for the Donald, I just want want everyone to take a little bit of solace in the fact that the man has done the impossible. Multiple times over, and you have witnessed the greatest presidency in the last century plus here in the greatest nation to ever been conceived in the history of ever. And you know, that, that kind of reminds me sometimes, because he's not a politician, although he's adapted to it fairly well, it's, there's just certain people that, you know, just sometimes they don't know they're supposed to suck. For instance, all right, my dad and I were big Mets fans, and we'll be watching a Mets game, and every so often will happen upon a recently acquired young stud player who is just like way overperforming, especially for being a Met. And inevitably, one of us, my dad or I, will turn to the other and say something to the degree of, you know why he's doing so good, right? That's because he's new and he doesn't know he's supposed to suck and blow it in these big spots and, you know, that sort of thing. Eventually, time and circumstance catches up with these young studs and they're batting, you know, 220 like the rest of the team. But Donald Trump is that guy. And, you know, he just isn't part of that system and he isn't a lifelong political hack who has sold off pieces of his soul to every asshat who helped him ascend to the top of the mountain, he just sort of, sort of showed up, kicked ass, and didn't know he was supposed to suck. The man has almost literally done the impossible multiple times over the course of the last four or five years. Let me give you a few examples. Headline, October 24, 2016 at 5, or 1051 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for those of you interested. Donald Trump's chances of winning are approaching zero, by Chris Saliza and Aaron Blake. That was obviously in reference to that 2016 election that you know he won. But if in fact your chances are zero, that would mean it's impossible. Oops. Next up, foreign policy expert and foreign and former Secretary of State John Kerry, the uh, the OG horse face,
1: once said. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that perfectly clear to all of you,
0: Kerry once said. And yeah, he was talking in reference to the fact that there can be no peace in the Middle East unless Israel and Palestine come to the table and there's an agreement where, you know, Palestine is all happy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, several peace deals in the Middle East later. None such with uh between Israel and Palestine, but we got I think the UAE's on board, Bahrain's on board, Saudi Arabia's getting on board, we're allowed the the Israel uh, Israelis are allowed to use Saudi Arabian airspace now, which is like a huge thing that never could have happened prior to a Trump administration. So uh yikes to uh to old horse face on that one. Let's move on to Nobel Prize winner for economic sciences sciences, Paul Krugman. Uh, he, in the New York Times, on November 9th, 2016, after the Trump victory, he said, in reference to the economic recovery, that, that whether or not it will be possible, if the question is when markets will recover, a first-past answer is never. Wow. I mean, it's almost like he went out of his way to be as wrong as he could conceivably be. Wrong. And he was, he was very, very wrong. The stock market and the economy had hit an all time high in virtually every conceivable metric by, uh, by early 2020. And then of course the China virus and, uh, and we are recovering quite well, despite a lack of stimulus from the government. And, uh, and you know, the, the jobs are, what, what was the last time I saw unemployment was 6.7%. That was, I think that's lower than it was when Trump took office, to be honest with you. So it's like, my God. He has he has already turned all of this around, despite the fact that all of the lunatic Democrat authoritarian governors are hell bent on ruining anybody and everybody in the service industry, neither here nor there at the moment. Although I was in New York City recently, I went into the belly of the beast, a couple of good buddies of mine. They're listening. What's up, fellas? And um, man, there was a diner owner that we, we went into a diner, went in like a local restaurant, uh, one of my buddies uh, kind of regular spots there. And uh we go in, and man th- that guy was just killing himself to try to do everything he could conceivably do to keep that restaurant afloat Now he's in New York, he's paying I think he said he was paying like thirty forty thousand dollars a month in rent just to have the place there um and he Jesus Christ man, I mean like the guy had a million health issues, not like sick issues, like he was injured, he had a he had a, you know a few spinal fusion and uh shoulder thing and He's, he's the son of the original owner and his father still owns it and is around, but he's obviously not as you know, apt to be out there all the time now. And he's probably in some sort of health risk, uh, both because of age and because he's worked at a diner his whole life. So I'm to presume that he's probably not in incredibly good shape. It's just the way it goes. You're eating fucking, you know, food for a living or uh, working around food for a living. You tend to put on a couple extra LBs. That at least was my experience. Um, now, luckily, I don't do that anymore. Um, but and and God bless anybody out there who is dealing with that. I mean, I, I I I sat around the other day and had like a full blown like war game scenario of like what I would be doing right now if it was 10 years ago and I was still working in at a bar, you know, barely scraping together a, a fucking music degree. Like, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, I would be so fucked if this had happened 10 years ago. So anybody out there who is in those shoes now, know that Harrison Bergeron feels your fucking pain because just thinking about it the other day, almost took a couple years off my life and I may have even lost a couple of my luscious locks in the process. But let's get back to uh, one last thing. This, of course, is the doozy of all doozies. This is the media, the experts, the Democrats talking about how there is no way, impossible, ain't gonna happen, uh -uh, that we're gonna have a vaccine by the end of 2020. And sure enough, as you all well fucking know by now, we have a vaccine. Whether or not you'll take it is entirely up to you. I've given you my advice, and I ask you to take it with not only a grain of salt, but basically an entire beach worth of salt. That said those, that's how I'm going to be living. That's how I'm going to be telling everybody that I know that who asks me about these sorts of things. Cause you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, but I'm fairly well-researched and people know that in my life. And they'll ask me once in a blue moon, what do you think about this? I'll tell them. And I just told you exactly what I will tell them. But here's what the media and all the other clowns told you about this vaccine.
1: On a vaccine. We'd love to see if we could do it prior to the end of the year. But many scientists, including the president's ousted former top vaccine official, say that is overly optimistic.
0: Well, I guess it's a good thing he was the ousted former vaccine official. All of those being fairly operative words, especially knowing what we know now. I'm sorry. There's more. Go ahead.
1: That's an ambitious timeline, and many health experts aren't so sure it's achievable. So many experts and doctors today immediately cast doubt on that. Experts say it, he'd
0: be in, need a miracle to be right. It would take you know, over a year. Experts are
1: warning that kind of timeline may be overly ambitious. Health experts pushing back.
0: So many experts. Well, NBC News did a fact check on this today that a coronavirus vaccine, Trump says it could come out this year, this sort of, you know, happy talk that he's doing about. A vaccine you cannot talk yourself into a vaccine the fastest a vaccine has ever been produced from start to finish is five years previous vaccines have taken years to develop history actually holds a lot of different lessons um, for us about politicians
1: rushing to science when it comes to vaccines will we get the best vaccine in this timetable uh or will we just get a vaccine this kind of promise is clearly political, but it's also remarkably dangerous. Some have even argued it's perhaps dangerous. So if we say, well, they can't really get this vaccine, the science is questionable. Now we're the negative Nancys. Oh, look at that Acosta, always trying to kill our optimism. Uh,
0: I do think it's just glorious that that closed out with Fredo. Um, ha. 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 These are the people, these are the same people that told you Donald Trump was like an evil racist and a dictator and all this sort of stuff. They've been wrong about everything for the whole entire last decade at a bare minimum. And yet we're supposed to be, we're, we're supposed to listen to these people. They're the experts. They're the ones that have all the knowledge. They have all the access. They got the sources. They got nothing. They have fucking nothing. It is unbelievable that this is uh, the state of the world, but nevertheless, it is the state of the world, and we'll continue to talk about it right here on the Right Opinion podcast. I'm going to plug everything one more time for you. I'm going to give you the the spiel, but more importantly, as we are leaving, I want you to listen, as there was an epic moment recently in Washington D.C. I believe it was at the March, uh, the Jericho March. It was kind of like an interfaith right-wing, free speech, anti-lockdown, pro-Trump, stop-the-steal, modge-podge of right-wing madness, and uh, what you're going to hear at the end is the crowd singing the national anthem, something I can assure you, you will not be hearing at any BLM or Antifa rallies, or for that matter, even the Democratic National Convention or any Democratic-related events. But I was really moved by it, and in lieu of, you know, giving you, like, Christmas music or something like that on the way out the door, I gave you a little teaser of that a little earlier on, and now you can get the uh, the national anthem in, in just a, a moving moment, really. It's nice to see that there are people who still respect the greatest nation on Earth and uh, and are willing to fight for it, man. It's, it's pretty cool. Actually, there is going to be a big rally down on January 6th when the Senate, I believe, or the Congress is supposed to confirm... Joe Biden as the president-elect, and all that good stuff, and uh, I happen to have off that day. Um, I'm thinking about getting down there. We'll see. I'm not making any promises, honestly. We'll see what the next couple of weeks has to do. We'll get through the holiday, get through the new year, um, but it's it's just madness here at the Bergeron household, as I'm sure it's, you know, similar over at your place right now, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm like the only one in the world going through some shit right now. Actually, at the end of the day, my problems are are minuscule compared to others. I'm I'm quite blessed. I'm blessed to, just to have friends and family, a girlfriend, you know, that are that are just happy and supportive and and there for me, and and hopefully I I could be there for them. And uh, ha- I'm happy to have you guys, man. I really am. I'm I'm I don't like getting all mushy and gushy about though. You're my followers, my listeners, my whatever, my fans. I, I don't I don't like I don't even think of you guys like that. We're all family. Uh, i I really do appreciate every one of you who clicks the download button, the subscribe button, the likes on the tweets, the retweets, the little back and forth I get from uh from Bonnie renee or from from a penitent thief or whoever it is like I love you guys man it is really cool that I get to engage with a bunch of fucking people I would have never in a million years got to interact with had I not gotten into doing this show or podcasting in general but um, I think I was giving you plugs the right opinion.podbean.com hummingmediagroup.podbean.com ratsaladreview.com and check me out on social media parlor instagram and the twitter at right opinion pod feel free to email me the right at gmail.com if you got any questions stories you want me to cover or weird photoshops of me which is something that I do get from people who know my my real identity Um, but I appreciate you all as always Uh, opinions are like assholes everybody's got one but this asshole has the right opinion and you can only get it right here on the right opinion podcast talk to you guys next time peace
1: strong and bright
0: elephant in the room in a room full of elephants the, the elephant, elephant in the room, room in a room full of elephants
1: boom, boom.